All right, glad you're with us. Happy Friday. And right down our toll-free telephone number, it's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All I can say is if intensity matters, and it does during elections. Last night in Minnesota, it was about as, as raucous a night as Trump has ever given a rally. Well, I'll tell you, he's given another one tonight in Louisiana, and we'll cover the parts of it that are on during Hannity tonight. But the one thing I'm going to look for, I want to see if that intensity is matched tonight as well. Now, I just got to look at early television ratings. Not that anyone cares, but thank you for making us number one in all the cable. Uh, we can't do it without you. Uh, it's 5 million people. And, and let me explain that to you with the bifurcation that is now taking place in media where, oh, now you have Amazon Prime. Oh, now you have Netflix. Now you have Hulu. Now you have, you know, this on demand, Showtime on demand, HBO on demand, Cinemax on demand. Then you have the channels that are live channels and then you have a million cable channels. It is a massive number. I mean, the type of stuff that networks would get in the old days. But there's many nights now where, yeah, our little cable show outrates all of the networks, thanks to you. And what I saw last night is I saw a liberal state and we watched and we were reporting yesterday. It was all going on. People standing out in the pouring rain for 10, 12, 14, 16 hours and more to see Donald Trump last night. Now, then you got the lunatics on the left and the protesters. Um, I look at that and I just just like I look at these radical 2020 new green deal, uh, extreme socialist Democrats and look at their supporters and you see the, the the base of the party just unhinged. The let's impeach Donald Trump. We don't know the reason, but we'll pick a we'll pick a name out of a hat and we'll do it that way. That crowd. And I think what's going to happen is what I've been predicting, whether they impeach him or not. It doesn't matter because everything that they are doing to go after this president is pissing off the entire rest of the country, because after three years of Russia, 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 impeach, impeach, collusion, 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 culminating with four separate investigations, the nine month FBI investigation, the House Intelligence Committee investigation, the bipartisan Senate investigation, the Mueller investigation, no collusion. So now they say, OK, well, we got a whistleblower, but the, the whistle, whistleblower, blower, blower. OK, now what are we learning about the whistleblower that's not a whistleblower? I mean, the idea that they still want to focus on Adam Schiff's office's buddy. Now that we know Adam Schiff lied again through his teeth and and they were giving advice to the non whistleblower whistleblower. You know, now we learn that the non whistleblower whistleblower in the manufactured phony Ukraine witch hunt actually worked with sleepy, creepy, crazy Joe, Uncle Joe 30330. And when he was vice president, oh, now now it becomes more clear. Just we just needed a little time to, you know, for the fog to pass before you get to see again 
the media mob in this country lying to you with regularity and on their mission to destroy Donald Trump. Now, to get there, remember, we've been pointing out, you have to forget that you got Joe 30330 on tape shaking down the country of Ukraine that he was put in charge of using as leverage a billion of your hard-earned tax dollars and loan guarantees for Ukraine and giving them six hours to fire the prosecutor that is investigating his 49-year-old son who had no background or experience in Ukraine, who had no background and experience in oil, gas, or energy, and yet he's getting, you know, three, four million dollars. And it's the same story in China. I mean, no experience with China, none whatsoever, no experience in private equity. So the Bank of China, that's right, Bank of China, a subsidiary of the country, the communist Chinese, they're going to give $1.5 billion to, let's see, Hunter Biden, Whitey Bulger, the gangster murderer's nephew, and John Kerry's stepson. A billion five. We're not going to give it to Bain Capital. We're not going to give it to Goldman Sachs. We won't give it to Deutsche Bank and people that actually have real experience in private equity. No, or or any other bank, Chase, JP, Chase Morgan, whatever their name is called now, or Citibank. No, we're going to give it to Biden. And we're going to give it to him 10 days after he was on Air Force Two with his father flying to China. And we're not supposed to talk about it. And what's fascinating is you watch Biden. This actually happened today that Biden opened up another front in this battle to prevent coverage of this from the American people from finding out, oh, how did his family get so rich on his name when he's in office? I already explained to you what his brother did, and he's bragging, we're going to have cargo planes of 747s of people that want to give to Joe. The only problem is what he's admitting to would be a crime. And now Biden senior, Biden senior, Joe Biden, 30330, he's threatening all his other presidential rivals, warning them they better not bring up his son's influence peddling scandal during the upcoming debates or anywhere else for that matter. The Biden campaign is warning any presidential candidate. Now, remember, they tried to shut down Fox News. They tried to get Fox to stop running the latest Trump campaign ad. That didn't work. They've been threatening everybody else that talks about it. And But anybody that calls themselves a Democrat, that they must refrain from repeating, again, discredited lies. I don't see what's discredited about it. I think it's a legitimate question. What exactly did Hunter Biden do for the billions in China and the millions in Ukraine? And why did Joe Biden demand using the threat of taxpayer money that they fire some Ukrainian prosecutor. Why would a vice president of the United States ever demand that? Except that the vice president of the United States is in a, and then he's bragging about it. He's in a position where Ukraine needs the money. What are they supposed to do at that point? I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Well, son of a B, he got fired. And they fired him within six hours. 
Now, if you don't think that needs an investigation, but Donald Trump is guilty of, oh, colluding with Ukraine, there's nothing, zero, nothing in that transcript that in any way, shape, matter, or form is rises to any level of what you just heard. But the media, look, you have to, to be one of these radical Democrats today, you have to, number one, support the new Green Deal. Okay, that means no more oil, no more gas. That is the lifeblood of every world economy, especially ours. For the first time in 75 years, we're energy independent. No thanks to the Democrats. Then you have to be willing to get rid of the combustion engine. And then we're going to make everything free. Daycare free, pre-K free, K through college free, free, free. You're going to get a guaranteed job, a guaranteed government vacation, a guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed retirement, Medicare for all. But you can't have private insurance. Good luck with that. And then eventually we'll even get rid of planes and cows. And this applies to everybody that's willing or even unwilling to work. That is not the America that I knew and grew up in. And that is an absolute formula for a depression and a decline that we've never seen that will be so precipitous and instantaneous. We never will have seen anything like it. By the way, Judicial Watch filed a lawsuit to obtain Hunter Biden's financial records. I think they're probably going to win that. So we've got this news. Now the non-whistleblower whistleblower this manufactured witch hunt, the latest witch hunt, we now know worked with Joe Biden when he was vice president. Well, I don't see that the media is really paying a whole lot of attention to that. And I saw the people in that crowd last night. You had, just, you had over 140,000, I believe, people trying to register for what was a 19,300 seat arena and packed to capacity, massive tens of thousands outside. And you, you, you look at this and you see that the people get it and the way they reacted, responded to just about everything Donald Trump was saying last night. Nobody can defend Donald Trump better than Donald Trump. And so it is an unprecedented action. Let me, look, let me tell you where we are in this country. You have to buy into their radical socialism. New Green Deal price tag, 94 trillion Medicare for all. Price tag, 36 trillion, not billion trillion. Remember, we only take in as a country four trillion a year. This is not going to work even on a Democratic candidate's calculator. It is. These are promises that could never, ever be fulfilled. So, OK, we're going to try and damage Donald Trump politically with the latest impeachment witch hunt. And never before have we witnessed Nancy Pelosi and company denying the president any fundamental right to cross-examine witnesses or call witnesses or or even receive transcripts of testimony or have access to evidence or to have a council president present during all of this and the right to cross-examination, you know, pretty much basically every right guaranteed under our Constitution is taken away. And they don't even want to call the vote and go on the record because you got 40 Democrats that actually want to get reelected in Trump won districts in 20. 16. You know, Mark Meadows noted that hardened criminals have better protections than the president here. And he's right. But the inquiry, the witch hunt that's taking place in secret with their secret hearings and their secret witnesses, the only information that gets out is what is selectively leaked 
by the biggest liar in Congress, the cowardly shifty shift and and other Democrats. There's no clear reason for any impeachment. They have criminalized now political differences, no indictments, no charges, no crimes, no bribery, no high crimes, no misdemeanors, no treason. And the transcript of the call, no quid pro quo. And the president of Ukraine again yesterday said, uh, no, we've that was a perfectly appropriate call. There was no quid pro quo. I didn't know anything about, you know, holding back any defense dollars until month later. And we have a great relationship. I have no idea what you people in America are doing. And then tonight we also can report the whistleblower had contact or today the whistleblower had contact with Democratic presidential candidates. And the Washington Examiner report is as damning as any that Joe Biden, their report points out that this whistleblower that's not one worked with Biden when he was vice president. Now, does it all begin to make sense that Schiff knew ahead of time? I'm sure he tipped off Pelosi and that the person that now only wants to testify in writing actually was friends with Joe 30330. That now needs to be investigated. Think about that. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We're loaded up today. We got our pollsters, uh, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. I still contend that nobody can poll Trump accurately. We'll see if my theory holds with them. We got two investigative reports, one by Kerry Pickett about Adam Schiff and the people he's been working with, and another by Luke Rosiak of The Daily Caller. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. I just watched, and we'll play portions of last night's rally in in Minneapolis. Massive success. And you had, you know, some 20,000, according to estimates, watching outside. Then you had the lunatics on the outside. And it just took on an urgency and a sense of we've had it. That I knew I I suspected was going to be growing all along. And you could tell the president rose to the occasion. And, you know, one minute, you know, I mean, it's it's like, you know, he has people laughing their asses off. You know, then he turn on a dime and he gets serious. There's one moment came when Trump recalled traveling to Dover Air Force Base to receive the remains of fallen soldiers. I, you know, how do you do that as anybody? Forget being president and the coffins being offloaded and flag draped coffins from a C-47. The outpouring of grief he witnesses. He's looking at the families and he sees heartbroken widows, kids that will never see their parents again. Devastated parents that lost their kids. The hardest moment of his presidency. And that account obviously was heartfelt and sincere. I I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. It was hard to watch, but it's true. I know people are angry. Well, he's keeping his promise. He's trying to get out of foreign conflicts. And yeah, I want to support the Kurds. You know, there is also the case to be made. There's other ways to support people without us having to send our guys. Then what do you see outside? Antifa, lunatics, and others. And the police, I don't know how they kept peace, but they did. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Now, there is some movement that is getting pretty interesting. A little bit of a stock surge earlier today, up nearly 500. I haven't seen the latest numbers. Have you looked, Linda? 
Uh, but it was up over 500 before airtime today uh, based on the expectations that a trade deal was now with China might be at hand. And the president said that he good things are happening in these trade negotiations. It says the Dow's up 486 right now. Yeah. All right. So close. It was up 500. So it was still up quite a bit. But anyway, and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said the talks have been productive. President gets this done. Let me tell you what that means. It means American farmers. It means American dairy. It means American car manufacturers, American manufacturers of other goods. That means steel. That means lumber. That means everything. We now would get the reciprocity we should have had for a long, long time. One interesting sidebar, uh, somebody tipped me off to this and I, I didn't see it. Um, liberal Joe in the morning over at the uh, Area 51 Roswell Rachel Maddow uh, conspiracy channel, MSDNC. Hey, Sean, anyway, I just want to tell you real quick, tell getting me a real lot quick. of complaints from really what? nice people in Roswell who Uh-oh. don't want to be associated with her. Is that true? Yeah. I'm thinking we should assign her to a liberal city like Los Angeles or New York. You know, these poor people in Roswell, they're like normal. They're working their ass off and, you know, they got to be assigned. No, no, no. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, the bottom line is Area 51 is in Roswell, New Mexico. And you saw when we sent Lawrence Jones there when they had that big party protest thing of theirs and the people dressed as little green men. I mean, it's been a belief. There actually is a Nat Geo. I don't know. Have you ever seen the Nat Geo? They have a documentary on Area 51. And Area 51 has historically been used by the military to test top secret, you know, whatever the new design is. For example, the stealth fighters were first tested there. And I found it fascinating. Now, the strangest thing is I have asked presidents, and I'm not going to mention names. Is there any truth to this? And I can't get an answer from anyone. They don't answer it. They refuse to answer it. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. It's a simple yes or no thing. And I don't know if it's like American presidents have all just kind of, you know, agreed with each other that they're going to wink and they're going to nod and they're going to, you know, just go along with it. I mean, is it look, we discover more universes now with the capacity to look further and further and further out into space. I mean, you just see the depth and the majesty of God Almighty's creation, and it's beyond human comprehension. It just is. So the idea, I mean, I don't know in my years of studying theology uh, and the Bible um, when I was in high school and prep school, I mean, I don't remember God not saying that there was another life on other planets. I don't remember that. It, it does talk about the foundations of the earth and, the, you know, the makes the world in seven days. And I know that liberals, you know, I, I could never understand atheism because you have to believe as an atheist that, OK, we had a big bang and the big bang created perfectly universes within universes within universes. And then you can look at the tiniest microorganisms that we know exist and you can build it out to the the earth and the star and the sun and the sky and the planets and the solar system and the universe and then universes within universes and then within universes into infinity you know it's just beyond human understanding 
One of the more interesting stories in the, in the Old Testament is the story of Job. And what's fascinating about that is Job never lost faith. He lost all his kids, I think 11 or 12, I forget the exact number. And the devil wanted to tempt Job. And God's answer was, go ahead. He's not going to give in. Uh, and you just can't kill him. And, he, and everything that Job had in his life was taken away from him. And then his body is filled with sores and his children are all gone. And then the end of the story is God shows that he is his faithfulness and he had the same number of children. And everything grew exponentially in terms of God's gifts to him. But at one point, Job is asking the question, all right, why? why what happened? What did I do wrong? And there's a series of questions. Well, where were you when I, you know, you're going to question me. Where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? Now, it's kind of interesting to think that there's foundations to the earth. You know, think of gravitational pull. Think of, you know, I, I know liberals and environmental extremists always talk about, oh, Miami is going to be underwater in 10 years. Who made that prediction recently? And the idea is, I think that for some, the human mind and egotism and everything involved, they just can't acknowledge that there is something greater than us. Otherwise, what do you believe that, okay, we had this huge Big Bang explosion, all right, and then all the universes within universes within universes were, were, were born and happened. You have to believe that happened. Now, the next logical question to me is, all right, well, where did the energy for the explosion come from? There has to be a source of that. Now, we live in a world of time. There's numerous places in the Bible, you know, who should I say sent me? I am. Now, that kind of eliminates any concept of time. I am meaning I always was. I always will be. And you think of that in that sense, and I'm thinking that's pretty deep and profound, too, because we don't live in a world that is timeless. God does if you believe in God. But if you're an atheist and you say, no, I ask you, well, where did the energy come from for the Big Bang? Where did it? It has to be an origin. And I argue that if you're going to be an atheist, you have to believe something can come from nothing. And that is not something I can intellectually believe with. Never mind where my heart is on the issue of God. And anyway, I know you look at you hate when I do this, don't you? You hate when I go down this road, don't you? No, I don't hate it at all. You do. You usually hate it. So here is a zero hedge article, 47%. Now, in light of the radicals in Washington, the radical 2020 Democrats and radicalism, you know, on display last night outside the arena where the president was speaking. And again, I want to see tonight if the president matches that energy in the room that he had last night because it was electric. But 47 percent of American socialists believe, quote, taking violent action against the rich may be justified. I thought we were founded on a document about, you know, truth, self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Doesn't say anything about equality there, does it? Is it you know, I think you should know this, Sean, as we go down the, the road of Jesus and Job and religion yeah. and all that good stuff, of which I know very little, that Katie... And Katie's freaking out that I'm even mentioning her name right now. Mm-hmm. Katie and Ethan are both, you know, very devout in their Christianity. And we started doing Bible verses here in the studio. 
we had an understanding amongst all of us that that was okay to be inspirational every day. But our cracker Jack well, Ethan back there, he just found. Wait, out let me that, just interrupt. If it was if it was Linda's biblical verse, oh, forget verse, about it. You don't want to see my verse. God created a blanking earth and seven <laughs> blanking days. That's right. Go ahead. Or, or old Bible verses about vengeance. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I'm going to toss my tables in the temple. Yeah. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Yeah, but that's that. That is right. There's a righteous anger, and then there's the Linda anger, which are two very whoa, distinct whoa, whoa, things. Whoa, 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 First of all, they're synonymous. <laughs> no, they're not synonymous. Who are you to judge me? I'm not judging. I'm oh, just, you're not? Okay. I, I, listen, if anyone had the courage in your room, to be honest, you know, beware the wrath of Linda. First I mean, of all, there is no mad, wrath, but that is that is deser- not undeserved. I'm giving it I to could, you because you deserve Ethan, it. Ethan, couldn't you hear her quoting, God created the heavens and the earth in seven blanking days? I could hear her say that. My one of my favorite moments with Linda, and she might kill me for saying this, is when uh, she swore not to curse for Lent, and she proceeded <laughs> to tell you, and you said, "What did you give up?" And she went, "I gave up blank and cursing," and you went, "Really?" And she had no idea that when she responded to you, she, she had cursed. already cursed. Yep, it's so part of my vernacular that I remember. I don't even funny. hear it, and everybody was looking oh. at me, and they're like. I know. Listen, it's fine. Nobody's judging you. All right. Nobody's judging. 47% of American socialists, they think that the rich, uh, taking violent action against the rich may be justified. Now, that's scary because we already know the top 1% pay, you know, 40% of the taxes. We already know that the top, the bottom 50% of wage earners pay no federal income taxes. We know opinions that have taken a shift. Democrats were about as favorable towards capitalism as socialism, 58-56. After the president took office, Democrats became more favorable towards socialism. Now, this is what I don't understand. We have record low unemployment, the lowest since nine, the best employment situation since 1969. You know, record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. And I'm like, this is the greatest news ever, but not to Democrats, apparently. And I'm not sure exactly why, except that I guess it's appealing to take away the stress of life that everybody feels. Now, it would be great to have everything paid for. It'd be great to have everything free. It'd be great. I think we should be good stewards of the environment. But the reality is, is. Oil and gas is there for our use and we can do both and we can simultaneously work on new, cheaper, better forms of energy. And I once told the story about this inventor guy that had this hypothesis, never been proven, that, well, maybe the gravitational pull itself can, is, is an energy force and we could tap into it one day. You know what? I, I I find that fascinating that people think on that level. That's not how my brain works. You know, my buddy Keith, he was the inventor of the year. And I, I, I listened to him some nights and I'm like, holy moly. I would go to the invention convention. I went there for years. And it's amazing what people think of and the ideas. I mean, think of the person that invented the washer and dryer. You transformed the life of everybody. Pretty amazing stuff. You know, but anyway, people under 30 now are about 20 to 30 points more likely 
than Americans 65 and over to believe the rich got rich by taking advantage of other people, 5227. They believe billionaires are a threat to democracy, 5126. They feel angry when they read or hear about rich people, 4411. But can I just add this point as we talk about polls? I never got a job from a poor person, did you? But have you ever been polled? I've never been polled. No, I've never been polled. So I want to know who are they polling? Oh, I know, the jobless. The jobless who can answer their phone at one o'clock in the afternoon and talk to someone about nonsense and get polled. That's who's getting polled. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Young Americans are equally favorable towards socialism. Look, what's sad about this to me is the lie. And this is what I think Democrats are banking on. The lie that government is going to provide and take away every fear in life you have. And they're going to take they're going to guarantee you a job with a good wage. And they're going to guarantee you um, a, a, a vacation and healthy food. And they're going to guarantee you ed- free education, free daycare. And they're going to guarantee you huge retirement. And they're going to guarantee you uh, health care. And they're going to guarantee, guarantee, guarantee. It is unsustainable. These are false promises. This is a false security. And this is never going to be sustainable. You know, there was a study out that showed, for example, healthcare for illegal aliens, which means I could be fined in New York for saying the statutory language, would cost $23 billion a year from 2020 Democrats. In other words, American taxpayer funded healthcare for illegal immigrants living in the United States would cost up to $23 billion a year. They didn't respect our laws, our sovereignty. They didn't respect our borders. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And there's a, there is a, an entitlement sentiment that has taken hold in the country. One interesting thing, I didn't finish my thought on, on liberal Joe. And they're hand-wringing at the idea that the only thing that could keep Trump in office is Elizabeth Warren getting the nomination. Americans don't want 160 million Americans don't want to be told they can't get the insurance they want. Donnie Deutsch said that. I take a lot of heat for this, and she's wonderful, but Warren is the only thing that can keep Trump in office. Now Democrats are freaking out that Biden is, you know, in their zeal to get Trump and manufacture impeachment, and this time it's Ukraine, and you got sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe 30330 on tape shaking down Ukraine and using our taxpayer dollars to do it and demanding a firing of a prosecutor in six hours or he's taking his money. That's not good. Because they're th- they, they, that's part of the strategy that the base of the Democratic Party, Joe's not liberal enough for them. Neither is Nancy Pelosi, for that matter. That's how crazy this things have become. Joe Biden pressured Ukraine to fire its prosecutor. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a (laughs) got fired. Fact, the prosecutor said he was forced out for leading a corruption probe into Hunter Biden's company. Fact, Democrats want to impeach President Trump for discussing this investigation with Ukraine's president. Fact, Donald Trump won, but Democrats want to overturn the election. Don't let them. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. All right, that was the president's new ad. I mean, it's amazing to watch Biden. Absolutely, he's losing his mind over anybody that dares talk about this. 
I, I mean, if it wasn't so funny that the media does it, it'd be laughable. Now, what's un- I, I've never in all my years now, 31 years doing this ever have I ever witnessed such corruption in the news media as we have today. I never have. It's never been this bad. There's always been abuse of bias. There's always been, you know, there was at least some pretense out there that they would at least try to seem reasonable. But it, it's the radical extremists that have taken over the party. That's what brings you the new Green Deal. That is what brings you this insanity of Medicare for all and no option of private insurance. This is what is driving this impeachment madness and the criminalization of political differences. You know, you saw the base, radical base of the party last night. Now you saw an arena that was electrified last night. You just you looked at it, you saw it, you felt it. No other politician in my lifetime has pulled that off. You know, I'll, and I'll I'll give a tip of the hat to Obama. He had a following and it was just smoke and mirrors and slogans and bumper stickers. And yes, we can. And Obama and all that stuff. But Trump actually now has substance, real policies that have done a real good job working. But, you know, you look at the hatred in Washington towards this man. They will, will impeach him for anything now without having a vote, without offering any due process. And then, of course, then you got the radicals that showed up outside of Minnesota last night. That's getting dangerous. I don't hear a lot of Democrats condemning the radicals on their side. But this is part of the madness. That is just a small snippet of the madness unfolding last night. Um, And yet we're now beginning to head into the primary season for the Democrats. We're going to have Iowa caucuses, New Hampshire primaries. Then we'll be off to South Carolina, Super Tuesday, and it's all coming down. Now, I stand behind my belief that I don't think Donald Trump polls like any establishment candidate. Polls got it wrong exit polls on election day 2020 they got it wrong anyway you look at this can you glean anything from the polling data like for example i know the fox poll came out it had 48 percent democrats 40 percent republicans they well that's an increase in support for impeachment i'm looking at it i'm like i don't agree with this poll and this the series of questions before that question were kind of like push polling to me anyway john mclaughlin pollster strategist retired uh syndicated columnist in that sense uh Uh and 
Also joining us, retired syndicated columnist and attorney and pollster, Matt Towery. Matt says he's retired, but Matt can't get out. Matt, Matt just we, <laughs> we drag him back in every single day. Uh, first, let me ask both of you. Do you agree with me that Donald Trump is never going to poll like any establishment political figure? Matt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've contended that since 2016. He's never going to poll. Um, like anyone else, because a lot of folks just don't they're they're made to feel like they can't tell someone, even if it's an anonymous poll, how they really feel. But more important, Sean, there's been a change and John can pick up on this, but there's been a change in the way news organizations demand that polls be conducted. And this started pre Obama. Uh, there was a belief that cell phones were more important, and so they insisted on large cell phone interviews. Um, there are other changes that these network people, there are always people that network for each of these networks and the major newspapers who are in charge of sort of telling the pollsters what they want. As the years have gone by, what they've demanded of the pollsters and what the pollsters have done to, to meet those, and I know I used to do polling for news organizations, many of them. Um, what they required and what they asked are something that the pollsters have to oblige, but in many times it's not the right methodology and it's getting worse and worse. You can't really cap. I keep telling people you can't have 70 questions on a survey and expect to get a legitimate person on a cell phone to answer 70 questions unless that person has already agreed in the past to be surveyed. And that makes them more like a, a panel and not a random survey. They don't ask people if they're going to vote, so you don't get likely voters. When they when they get something off like too many Democrats and too few Republicans, they don't weight the poll back down to solve that problem. There are just endless problems now with polling by media organizations. John, what's your thoughts on it? By the way, you know. Over 20 years ago, when Fox News was starting and you were starting, and I was probably 20 pounds lighter and you didn't have any gray hair. Um, you know, I, I invite you on this program. I, I even tried uh. to invite your brother once or twice. He doesn't show up. You know, I try to be nice to the McLaughlins, and this is how you repay me. It's unbelievable. I said I put on the 20 pounds, not you. You're yeah, still I, you, But you but, take your shot. And I'm like, okay, take your uh, shot. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Well, Roger Ailes was a friend. I'd worked with him in the 80s when he worked for Reagan, and, and I worked for Finkelstein. We worked for senators like D'Amato, Humphrey, Nichols, et cetera. And he was a friend, and he went out of his way to be un, be fair and unbiased when Fox News was starting in their polling. He would never have released the poll that they put out yesterday. I mean, literally, it was it was like, it, I mean, it's worse than the 4840. It's, it's, it's a phone list. They did over, they just randomly dialed phone numbers. 77% are cell phones, as Matt's saying. They don't, they don't use a voter list. They, it was when you asked them of these registered voters and they were self-identified because it wasn't off a list, how many, how many would vote in a Democrat primary? It was 48% and only 37% would vote in a Republican primary. That's an 11 point difference. There was only four points difference on election night in 2016. And the same last year when they, even the Democrats took the house, only four point Democrat advantage. So there's seven points of bias plus the wording of the question. They literally go into it. And at some point on question 37, they start asking about Donald Trump being more corrupt. Then they ask a question about uh, how troubling do you find the situation surrounding uh, President Trump's dealings with the Ukrainian president? And the next question is, well, President Trump has made allegations about Joe Biden. They don't. These aren't analogous questions. The one against Biden's watered down 
The one against Trump is biased against them. So, of course, they get 51% because the sample skewed, the wording is skewed. And their sister organization, the Wall Street Journal, when they came out with their poll, literally two days before, they said, is there enough evidence for Congress to impeach Donald Trump and remove him from office now? Only 24% said yes. 31% said the look in the inquiry. But four to 10 voters, 39% said there's no evidence this shouldn't even be going on. So the majority of Americans... Three quarters of them, according to the Wall Street Journal, say there's no evidence for this. So the president is being railroaded by the by Nancy Pelosi and a liberal Democratic media that's showing a bias like we've never seen before. And it's all just to cover up. Basically, Donald Trump, they're afraid that he's going to get reelected. So what do they want to do? They want to impeach him. They want to take this right away from the people to be able to vote who our president is. There's an election coming up next year, and they're afraid to let Donald Trump stand up for reelection because we're going to win again. You know, it's amazing. And I agree with all of that. They never accepted that he lost. They never accepted the Mueller report. You know, now they're just basically, you know, throwing paper towels against the wall, hoping something sticks. But I noticed something last night, Matt, that that sticks with me. And it's it's not any specific words. And we'll play some of the president from last night because he was on fire and, and he's speaking tonight again. And I want to see the crowd reaction again tonight. But there is an electricity now. The people that support Donald Trump see what's going on, see that they're criminalizing political differences, see the fundamental unfairness and the radical version of what this democratic party is today as as and the base that was outside the arena last night the psycho base of the democratic party and i think the american people they they're finding it all repulsive and the injustice is glaring and they're mad that's what i picked up mad to the point they'll wait online in a pouring rain for 12 hours to see trump well, you know, elections are really never about how the polls are because the poll is, is a stagnant thing and it can't measure intensity. And you recall um, back in 2016, Sean, I was polling for the Fox affiliates around the country. And uh, I even came out and said a few of our polls that we did, and they were very good polls. But a few of those were off on Election Day, and I said they're going to make the difference because it didn't ma- measure the intensity, for example, here in Florida. So you have to be, a, you have to be willing to criticize your own polls. But the uh, the more important thing is when you have intensity like that, there's no way to measure it until Election Day. No poll was ever going to tell you the number of people who are going to get out of their chair and get out and get in a car and stand in the rain to make sure they vote that day. Now, the other side may be more motivated this time than they were last time, but that depends on who the nominee is. But we know one thing, the Trump voter base, if they have not been energized before, they're energized now. So. You usually ask a question, are you better off four years ago? Uh, Are you better off today than you were four years ago? You also say, all right, did the president lose any of his base? Those that voted for him in 2016, I'd say we're better off. He hasn't lost his base. Now the question is, okay, well, the president has the best employment situation since 1969. The president's kept all of his promises. I've listed them constantly. And we now have record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women, women in the workplace and youth unemployment. Does he have a chance of getting people that were left behind in the Biden Obama years? John McLaughlin. Absolutely, because that was our strategy to win last time. We brought out nine million new voters. You knew that as we were talking on election night. You could see them as we were counting votes that were coming out. 
I was on the phone today with someone you know, Dan Forrest's campaign. He's running for governor. He'll be the next governor in North Carolina. They're seeing it in North Carolina. And that's another key battleground state where the convention will be. And when we ask, this is all going to backfire on the Democrats. Because when we ask the Democrats, we asked about Democrats in Congress should focus on, focus on working with Republicans to solve our nation's problems rather than focusing to try and impeach President Trump. 66 to 29 percent, 66 percent to 29 percent. Two thirds of Americans think they need to focus of, among all voters, likely voters, they need to focus on solving our problems and not impeachment. And these Democrats are doubling down on a phony, unconstitutional impeachment. We got to take a break more with our pollsters, John McLaughlin and Matt Towery. More specifically, we're going to get into the issue of, all right, where do these states come down? We had Governor Walker on yesterday. We'll go through state by state uh, with the pollsters and your calls coming up. Also, we have Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter, Kerry Pickett, investigative reporter, Geraldo, all coming up. And part of some of the best parts of the president's speech last night, straight ahead, Hannity at nine tonight, president in Louisiana. And yeah, Joe Biden, whoopsie daisy. Yeah, he worked with the whistleblower. They know each other. We'll continue. As we continue, our pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery are with us. All right. I got a minute each. Run through the states like, for example, North Carolina, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Does Donald Trump win those states and the blue states, Minnesota, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, New Hampshire. Does he have a shot, Matt? Well, I think he's going to win some of those states that you mentioned, uh, like Ohio. I think he has a great shot at winning Wisconsin again. Many of those states you mentioned, I think he'll do well because of the demographic situation. It's is not uh, a big impediment. Florida, I think he's trending upward, actually, not down. So I think Florida's going to look good. I continue to say I'm worried about Georgia because Georgia is demog- demographically trending against the Republicans rapidly. So I think they need to pay more attention to the state of Georgia because if Georgia goes, that could be the whole election. North Carolina is going to be a lot like Georgia, as I said before. Right now, I think it's on the bubble. But again, demographically, it's not trending as quickly as Georgia is uh, in a direction that would not be positive for a Republican. What do you think, John McLaughlin? Last word. Well, being on the campaign, we're going to win those states. Plus, we're going to expand the map. And Joe, and part of the reason is Joe Biden is disintegrating. He's collapsing. And when you get a choice between Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren, the, the states we won last time will be no problem because they want to keep their jobs. And we're going to expand the map and win states like New Hampshire. We, we might even win New Mexico. We're going to win Minnesota, as the president said last night. So uh, so it's going to be a big contrast between Trump and probably Warren, because I don't see uh, Joe Biden being able to hold up. I like what the president said last night. And this is the Irish in me. Act like you're two points behind. Always. Always. Yes. All right, Matt, thank you. John McLaughlin, thank you. Investigative reporter uh, for The Daily Caller, Luke Rosiak, on the insane protests and how Democrats are trying to even get radicalism at the local level. We'll explain and much more straight ahead.
happened here is some hats were stolen and burned from people who uh, came down and basically snatched them off Trump supporters, and then they let a fire and kind of burned them all together. Pretty crazy. All right, you look at the headlines. You saw it last night. Left-wing radical rioters basically attacking Trump supporters that were leaving the Minneapolis rally. And what do we see? You had riot police standing by members of Antifa reportedly there dragging, you know, steel fences away from the target center. Uh, There was a film that I, I, I know the blaze picked up and Trump supporters literally fleeing the event after it ended as protesters were waiting around attacking. Apparently the Minneapolis police to their Incredible credit, did a great job last night. Quote, it's not safe in Minneapolis any longer for Trump supporters. You know, just uh, look, listen, I got to tell you something. We saw this with Nicholas Sandman, this 16 year old kid. He has just wearing a MAGA hat. We saw what happened. He's with a group of students, went to his first rally in Washington, a pro-life rally. Oh, how horrible. And literally, then you have the black Hebrew Israelites hurling racial epithets at them. That's on tape. And then, of course, Nathan Phillips, the Native American protester, walks up to him. But that's not the way the media covered it. And I don't know if this is the new normal. I I look at the social media comments and the pictures last night and the, the maddening, you know, things that people are saying. This is a very divided country. You know, there's a Nazi over there. Red State quoted somebody as saying, you know, the types of things that are being said, the things we have seen. You know, I have now laid out and chronicled on this program over and over again. You know, this madness started the day after Election Day in 2016. It hasn't stopped. And this now represents the modern, extreme, radical Democratic Party. And that's who these 2020 candidates are all appealing to, to be their voters. Anyway, Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter, the Daily Caller, I've got to say, has become a must read every single day. A big part of it is Luke. Uh, I mean, he blew the whole whistle off of this whole issue with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the computers and how nobody got in trouble there is a miracle. But anyway, we're seeing across cities all across the country as we get closer to 2020, these, you know, governments, local and these radical congressmen and women, you know, policies like the new Green Deal and the more radical supporters that they have. Luke, welcome back. How are you? Thanks for having me, Sean. Thank you. You see this anger. You see the reaction to just start with Nicholas Sandman. We saw what happened last night after the president's speech. You know, thank God the police were on their game. They had cordoned them off successfully enough that the people could at least get out safely. Uh, Clearly, many of them in that crowd wanting a confrontation. That's right. And, you know, it's not just going to be Minneapolis that is, you know, descending into chaos and, uh, you know, crimes committed with impunity, uh, just basically polite society collapsing around us. It's going to be the suburbs. That's what George Soros is coming for. And uh, he's a very clever guy. And the important thing to understand is that George Soros has done more to transform America in the last six months than he's done in the last decade. And the way that he's done it is by shifting from the national focus to the local. Uh, 
And so while we're all focused on what Congress is doing, he's paying attention to these obscure little county boards and city commissions. And, you know, most of us couldn't even tell you who our county commissioner or city councilman is. But George Soros has created this playbook that is pretty cheap for him to fund and then replicate thousands of times across America. And it goes into these cities and counties where he's got big fish money in a small pond. And he's convinced local governments to start adopting these policies uh, about, quote, equity. And what that is is a code word for very, very radical stuff, including not prosecuting crimes because they say that's racist, as well as, um, you know, basically busing kids out of their schools. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about how crazy AOC is and it's bad, but at least we can say, hey, it's kind of it's a little bit distant to us. But what's happening now is these policies are coming into our communities. They're going to take our children out of our even, uh, you know, out of their school neighborhoods, even if you, you don't have kids in school, they're going to turn your local school uh, through like busing into a bad school that's going to, you know, if you're counting on your home equity for retirement, you're going to lose your life savings. And it all comes down to this network of AstroTurf groups from George Soros. David Capellian wrote a piece and the headline was uh, Democrats are now the party of total anarchy. You know, there's another piece that I, I saw um, on, on, you know, online about you know, the Democrats not wanting to vote because they don't care if they're going to impeach on anything. And then they're talking about expanding impeachment. Now they're doing the fishing expedition into taxes. And then you look at the policies laid out by the 2020 Democratic hopefuls. And it's OK, 36 trillion for Medicare for all, no private option. And it's the new Green Deal, 94 trillion. And then it's uh, we're going to eliminate gas and oil, the lifeblood of our economy and the combustion engine. That's for sure. And then they want our kids earlier in they'll take care of daycare and pre-K all the way through college. So there's no window where the kid won't be indoctrinated uh, and it is happening. And on top of it, you know, a lot of these groups and, and everybody is free to spend their money any way they want. I don't, I don't think there should be any limits on it. You know, you have people that are willing to fund the most radical extreme groups and you don't see Democrats distancing themselves from some of these radical groups, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, et cetera. And that's basically what it is, is the George Soros playbook is essentially Black Lives Matter and this very radical racial stuff. And I have documents where they're strategizing and they say, well, they're telling local bureaucrats unelected how to manipulate your mayor and your city councilmen into doing stuff that they don't want to do. And if you live in a pretty well-off sub suburban place, it's not Philadelphia, they have no reason to be doing this crazy racial stuff. Well, they say don't talk about it in terms of, um, you know, disproportionality and race and all these words that are inflammatory. Use this word equity because it sounds nice. And so what's happened is at school board meetings all across the country uh, and city council meetings, they're talking about equity and they're passing these policies that require cities and states and counties or cities and uh, counties to do equity in everything they do. And people don't object to it because it sounds who's going to be against equity. You don't, you don't really know what it means, but it sounds nice. Well, it sounds like fairness. Well, we need fundamental fairness. Well, 50 percent of Americans pay no income tax. We already have that system. The top one percent, let's make the top uh, the, the the top one percent pays almost forty percent of the income tax bill. Top ten percent, over seventy percent. Top twenty percent, almost all of it. And you know, here's where it gets scary, Luke. It's you know, this was in zerohedge.com, and it's a long piece today. Forty seven percent of American socialists believe quote taking violent action against the rich 
may be justified. And I'm arguing on this program, what might happen is we're watching a mass exodus out of these high-tax states, these states that are not business-friendly. You can't build a skyscraper anymore in New York City with glass and steel without paying massive millions in penalties. And by the way, if you buy an apartment, now they got a big mansion tax on top of it and all the other taxes. And now they're also adding more rent control uh, measures for anybody that owns property. But taking violent action against the rich may be justified. And, you know, I thought this was about the American dream. And, you know, I guess what we're learning is the Cato Institute, you know, does an independent nonpartisan research into, you know, a lot of these issues. And they report that the, you know, attitudes towards rich and poor examines what Americans believe about work, welfare, social mobility. And the bottom line is, I don't see any end to this. And I think the people that are leaving New York and California and New Jersey and Illinois, if Elizabeth Warren wins, they're going to leave the country. Well, they're going to have to, because the thing about George Soros's targeting of the local jurisdictions is that now there's no safe place to go. Because if you're in a red state, well, he's passing your governor and he's going down to the county. And, you know, sometimes there's blue enclaves within red states. But even if it's a red enclave, they're targeting and lobbying these little boards and they're they're casting these Antifa policies. They're dressing it up in flowery language and they're tricking our elected officials, in part using sham studies that promise billions of dollars if they enact radical racial policies. And so that's really frightening because if we're not even if even moderate suburbs are adopting these policies, uh, they're really going to transform the country. And so it's important for people to pay attention to their local races. And here where I live in Virginia, we've got elections coming up this November in many other states as well. Um, And there's all kinds of counties that are doing busing. If the elections, if the Democrats win in the school board elections, these down ballot things that people don't pay attention to, that's when you're going to see busing in your community. But the upside is, Sean, is that the Democrats are touching the third rail of politics, which is education. There is a big group of moderate, maybe they voted for Obama, maybe these are PTA moms. They're moms that aren't really that politically active, but they want the best for their kids. And in New York now, they say that academic excellence is a white supremacist value. They say it's racist to want to get all A's and to really care a lot about education. Um, They want to do away with the gifted uh, schools. And instead, they're barring you from evaluating attendance. So not only do you have to not have good grades to get into the good schools in New York City anymore, you can be truant from your own school, from your old school. You don't even need to know how to read. It's all about race. And so when normal parents who aren't, who are maybe moderate, when they start seeing that these democratic policies are preventing their kids from being prepared for college, when they're, when they're putting their kids in, 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 and the great risk of violence, because because the suspensions, you have to have equal suspensions from each race. And so if one race is, is, is attacking people in schools more, they have to be let off the hook. It's either that or your kid has to be suspended even if he didn't do anything wrong. And so this is really scary stuff. But at the same time, I think that um, the Democrats have overreached here and they're going to lose the moderate voters that they need to win these elections. Stay right there. Luke Groziak, investigative reporter, Daily Caller. All right, as we continue with Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter for The Daily Caller, the, the problem we now also have is it's not the normal political environment. I mean, Reagan used to always joke about Tip O'Neill and the issue that is that after six, cause now we could have a drink and be normal. And, and we're going to try and solve problems together. There has been no no issue the Democrats won't oppose Trump on. Uh, look at immigration as the main one. A manufactured crisis. The president hit that in his speech last night. Now, 
that became the talking point, not only of the Democrats. I mean, the media, they don't even make up their own talking point. They just use the same one as the Democrats. That's that's how tied together they are. But the point of it is they supported a wall. They supported border security uh, in Obama's second term. Now they say it's a manufactured crisis. And I'm thinking, wow, the only reason you could do this is you hate Donald Trump so much. You don't want him to have any success at all, even if it's the position you had. Now, that you can't govern in that environment and you can't govern with the constant threat that we're now criminalizing all political differences, which is what these witch hunts are all about to me. Right. And look, the reason you need the witch hunts is because people's normal lives are going pretty well because of Trump's economic policies. We've got the lowest unemployment, the lowest black unemployment. These are the things that actually matter to people. That's a huge deal. And you never hear about it. Uh, but the converse of that is when the Democrats do these policies at the local level, um, it's easy to talk about for liberals to say they're all compassionate at the federal level. And think about the New York City elites that talk about integrating schools, but of course they always put their kids in private schools. It's very easy to talk in the abstract when these problems are far off. But when you see the impact of liberal policies in your community, and you see how George Soros puts a DA candidate in your county that won't prosecute crime, and and you, you, you're, you can't leave the house anymore. People are breaking into your car and not getting arrested, and your, your, you know, your kids are now in failing schools. Well, you see the, the difference here is that liberal policies sound good in theory when you throw around these words that sound all compassionate and flowery, but they lead to bad outcomes. And so people are going to see uh, when Soros implants these equity policies in their local communities that democratic policies make life worse for normal people. The problem is if, it, if it's going to be too late by that point. So it really isn't important that people pay attention to their local races, not just national. I think it's really important. You know what the problem with everybody I know is, is everybody's busy. You know, I'm looking at my staff right now. There's not one person that works with me on this radio show that doesn't put in a 12 hour day or more. Not one. And OK, I'm a good boss. I buy everybody lunch, but I, there's a method to my madness. I don't want them leaving. We, we, we don't have time for people to say, well, what am I going to go eat today? Let me go down and walk down the streets and maybe I'll run into a place to buy some food. We'd, and, and nobody would even want to or think about it. We're that busy. And it's the same with my the people that work on television. Well, that's the same for every American I know. I mean, by the time you pay your mortgage, pay for the school, buy the clothes, pay for insurance, pay your taxes, you know, uh, you know, save a little money for retirement, uh, take the kids to Disney when they're young. You know, there's not a lot, but I got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to your calls as well as we continue. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. There are four issues that we are looking at, at least four issues that we are looking at, all that go to the heart of our national security. And by preventing us from hearing from this witness and obtaining these documents, the president and secretary of state are taking actions that prevent us from getting the facts needed to protect the nation's security. We are looking into whether the president solicited foreign help in a U.S. presidential election again. We are looking into the issue of whether a meeting that Ukraine desperately sought with the president at the White House was being conditioned on the willingness of Ukraine to investigate this bogus conspiracy theory about 2016 and investigate the Bidens. We're looking at whether Ukraine 
was given reason to believe that military assistance it desperately needed to fight off the Russians was being withheld until it made commitments to do these political investigations for the president. And we are looking into the question of whether there has been an effort by the president, the secretary of state and others to cover up this misconduct. Uh, we have not spoken directly with the whistleblower. Uh, we would like to, but I'm sure the whistleblower has concerns that he has not been advised, as the law requires, by the inspector general or the director of national intelligence just as to how he is to communicate with Congress. All right. Glad you're with us. News Roundup and Information Overload Hour here on the Friday. Man, I tell you, we get to this point on a Friday in the weeks. It is one thing after another. And that, of course, the cowardly, shifty shift. And we're looking to see if the president sought foreign help again. And if the president and Pompeo covered up misconduct, the only one that sought foreign help on tape is the cowardly shift himself. It says he's not talked to the whistleblower. Yeah, well, we've gone through that list of uh, issues and complications and whoopsie daisy. Yeah, the Washington Examiner report about, oh, but he's with Joe Biden. What a shocker. Everything they claim about Donald Trump, they themselves are guilty of. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Kerry Pickett is with us. Investigative uh, reporter Kerry Pickett.com is her website. Um, and, and she has worked at a lot of big newspapers over the years. Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst, author of The Geraldo Show. Uh, Kerry has a new column out. How the House Intelligence Committee chairman, the cowardly Schiff, hired at least two former NSC staffers this year who previously worked with the CIA whistleblower during his time as an official at the NSC under the Trump administration. And the whistleblower was an NSC official who worked with former Vice President Biden, as we've been reporting today, and has expertise in Ukraine. Washington Examiner piece I'm talking about. Now, the most recent former NSC hire is this guy, Sean Misko, who was brought on to Schiff's committee in August about the same time as the whistleblower filed the complaint against the president. By the way, we have the transcript. We don't need the non-whistleblower whistleblower, as I keep saying. And then Schiff, of course, lied, initially denying he knew any of the details of the complaint before it was filed. But now we know otherwise that his staff was giving direction and recommendations the whole way. Anyway, a lot of this surfaced in uh, Hillary Clinton's email controversy when he served at the State Department under Jake Sullivan. That was during the Obama administration and how this person clashed with NSC personnel during his brief time there under Trump and when was accused of leaking to the media and altering final documents without authorization of the boss. And Schiff previously hired another NSC staffer who was widely reported back in February. Now, it goes from there. Anyway, welcome both of you. Kerry, I'm, I'm not doing your piece justice, but I want to give bullets, if you will. Why don't you walk us through and explain the importance of this? Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really interesting because the moment that the uh, Washington Examiner, my uh, colleagues, uh, put out the yeah, piece uh, yesterday that this uh this a uh, whistleblower this uh, this informant had uh previously worked in the uh during the Obama administration at the National Security Council uh essentially through his uh Ukrainian expertise uh basically everyone with a basically with a with a Biden everyone was like well 
Yeah, duh. Of course, they're going. You know, it was with Biden. But the thing is, no one had reported it just yet. And what's so interesting here is that you ended up having two former National Security Council staffers who not only worked during the Obama administration, but also were holdovers into the Trump administration. And they essentially uh, ended up uh, going on to the Schiff Intelligence Committee. And the, the, the first one, Abigail Grace, she was hired back in February. Everybody knows about that. And everyone, you know, all of a sudden picked up on that when, uh, when we first ran our, uh, our, our story yesterday. And my, and my colleagues did an ex- excellent job on that. It was like, Abigail Grace, Abigail Grace. Everyone knows about her. But nobody knew about Sean Misko. He was just hired in August. And that was the same month as the whistleblower complaint was uh, filed, which was a little bit coincidental. Now, keep in mind, Sean, I did reach out to Schiff's uh, committee saying, hey, uh, did Abigail Grace or did Sean Misko, did they have any coordination with this uh, whistleblower? Did they they handle any materials from this uh, whistleblower? Uh, And I have not heard back from them, surprise, surprise. But it's it's it, this is one of those things that's a little disturbing, particularly with uh, Sean Misko, because the thing with him was that he his name um, actually came up during the uh, the Clinton uh, email controversy. His name uh, came up uh, in, in those emails because he uh, tried to send an email uh, that that he originally wanted to uh, go to Hillary's fake or rather unsecure um, uh, email server, and he was like, "Oops, I, I meant to. Uh, <laughs> I ended up sending it to the to the secure server by accident. I'll try and resend that again." So, yeah, uh, his problem was that he got into a lot of fights with a lot of uh, Trump political appointees while he was over at NSC. He leaked apparently to the media very often. He altered documents before they went to the National Security Advisor. And then eventually he was um, outed back in uh, 2017. Um, and, and then he ended up, uh, got into so many fights, he ended up uh, leaving. Uh, ultimately, he went back to the CIA and then uh, let me, let me came back. Let me break it down. It's brass tacks here because you're right. The, the, the incestuous description here is breathtaking. And, you know, and, and just stick with Schiff and his relationship. Stick with Schiff and Schiff's lie and stick with, OK, the examiner, Joe Biden, worked with the whistleblower when he was the vice president. Um, and then you, now everything that is written is has to be seen through the prism of politics. And you can tell by the Democrats clinging to the whistleblower reports, um, ignoring the Biden on tape, threatening, shaking down Ukrainian, the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor with our money, taxpayer money. And then they ignore that. But, you know, if if Trump jaywalks, they want to put him in jail. Peraldo, I would argue if he cured cancer, they'd want to impeach him for curing cancer. You know, listening uh, to the recounting of the personalities involved and you use the word incestuous. That's a good word. Uh, You know, they have these. This is the definition of the Washington swamp. These are. The permanent uh, government that exists just below the surface, but still has profound power, and they shift around to do the the uh, tactical advantage to their political uh, uh, base, their political party uh, affiliation. This is Sean. I'm telling you, 
This is the deprivation of the President of the United States' constitutional due process right. This is exactly why uh, the Republicans should insist that no one cooperates with this process until there is, unless and until there is a vote on the impeachment inquiry, just as there was in 1974 with Nixon, just as there was in 1998 with Clinton. The Republicans and fair-minded people, regardless of their uh, political ideology or philosophy, should insist the president of the United States gets due process. He gets a forum whereby Republicans, his allies, can interrogate these witnesses, where they get the same kind of subpoena power as the majority gets, where there's a, 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 a an amount of fairness, my goodness, when you're talking about this profound uh, impact of an impeachment, only the fourth time we've been through this process in the nation's history, 243 years, and they are, de- they are denied. You want that? When we saw Trump last night, uh, you know, he's going to be on your show and he ran the rally as you should have. Uh, he was you know, first of all, he's extremely relaxed, given the pressure he must be under. But the way he was lashing out, that's frustration speaking. That's because this is a process. I, I didn't see it as lashing out. Right. I thought I saw the president on his game in the zone, doing what he does best, bypassing the media and making the compelling definitive case in his own defense. And when well, you I hear it he, from he, him, he, he certainly seems very problems. articulate. No, I, I get that, Sean, but this this is a process. This is like a cancer. But think of it as, as cancer. You, it, This cancer is spreading now. The president ha- needs the process. He needs the protection of due process. He needs to have rights in the forum that is going to determine his immediate fate, which isn't going to be the crowd in Minneapolis. It's going to be the crowd in the in the House impeachment inquiry. That's he needs to address the process. He's got to deal with it in a businesslike way. He's got to insist that no one over which he has any jurisdiction should cooperate with the Democrats, they are not fair. They don't care about the truth. What they want is to sabotage, to kill off this president as they tried during the whole Russia collusion hoax with the 25th Amendment and so forth. He's got to focus, laser focus, on what the House is doing and insist under the Constitution of the United States he has the right to see a vote on whether or not there's an impeachment inquiry. These people are running rampant shack over him. There's a story released every 10 minutes. It's all incremental stuff, but it's poisonous. Like I said, it's cancerous. He's got to deal with that process and and beat them in a process in a in a forum where he has the same rights as they do in terms of his side being able to subpoena witnesses, his side being able to cross-examine witnesses, sure. I think that is all fundamental, and I agree that nobody should cooperate. Although I, I do believe that their lawyers should be in a hearing and one representative in every hearing, and the American people need to know the truth because otherwise Democrats will spin and lie and spin and lie. Of course and then are. it becomes a big fishing expedition. Oh, now we want his taxes for eight years. And then we want this. And then we want that. I mean, this there is a a media madness coupled with a Democratic Party madness. They have done nothing for the American people. At some point, that's got to factor in. And people see this now for what it is. 
And I well, think we I saw that in the reaction of that crowd last night. They are they've had it with all this crap that they put on this guy. But the question is, are there enough of them to counter what well, will be? The well, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out in a year, grinding. won't we? Yeah, but uh, he can't. He can't. I got to take a quick break. Geraldo's with us. Kerry Pickett. Uh, KerryPickett.com for a column. We also put it up on Hannity.com. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Your call's coming up and other, other stories I just haven't had the time to get to yet. We'll hit all that and more. Glad you're with us. We have an amazing Hannity tonight. We will do our expose on Joe Biden. Also, the president speaking in uh, in Louisiana. We'll have some of that and more on Fox. Quick break right back. All right, as we continue, Kerry Pickett, our investigative report we put on Hannity.com and uh, KerryPickett.com. Geraldo is with us. All right, we got a minute each. This report, I think, is definitive, Kerry. Where do you see it going? Uh, I have a feeling that we, we're going to probably start seeing a little more information beginning to uh, come out, specifically from the Intelligence Committee, uh, as to how much uh, Adam Schiff was uh, was a coordinating with this uh, whistleblower. So definitely watch a little more drip, drip, Sean. And Geraldo, you know, you said something, you know, this president has more people stabbing him in the back, you know. It's true. He's, there's never been a president, a presidency where I use the term. It is a nest of vipers and backstabbers and snitches and rats. Everything he does is construed in the most evil way possible. That's the reason I am, even though the president and I disagree on many issues, I am passionately supporting him in this effort because I believe he is being subjected to the most unfair process in modern history. It really is shameful what's going on and the fact that it is unilateral and that the Republicans have no voice, I think, is really uh, shameful. Well, I think the country deserves better. And it's amazing when you when you couple in all that he's done with what he the conditions under which he has to work. I mean, it's a pretty remarkable story. And I think history will look very badly on both the media and the Democratic Party and quite favorably on Donald Trump in the end. All right. Twenty five now to the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? You know, we had on the show yesterday we had our friend Lawrence Jones. He is our special uh, 2020 presidential election uh, on the road correspondent and investigative reporter. Anyway, he's in Minneapolis yesterday. What did we tell you? The lines were massive. The crowds outside the arena during the president's speech, massive. People waiting in the rain going on 10, 12, 14 hours and longer peacefully. People inside They are as energized as, you know, being at a rock concert. And it's an amazing phenomenon that we get to watch in our lifetime. It's pretty cool. On the other hand, all the Democrats, all the establishment, all the sewer swamp people, they all hate the president, don't they? And then you see outside, you got these radical extremists. And what are they doing? Yeah, they're trying to, you know, have a conflict with the people that are going to their cars after the rally. And with the typical things that they say, you know, the one thing and we got into this earlier in the program with the pollsters, the one thing you can't quantify is intensity. And I am arguing and what I see and what I saw last night, I want to see the intensity tonight in Louisiana. The president will be speaking and we'll be on Hannity. Well, depending what time he speaks, we'll be covering perhaps some of it. We also have 
a lot on the protesters. Wait, do you see the video we, we've got tonight and on Hunter Biden, of course. And uh, where is Hunter? I mean, that was actually trending number one, which is hilarious. And you could just compare and contrast radical 2020 Democrats. And you could see that Joe Biden, Joe 30330 is, yeah, he's up in arms at anyone that dares to even ask a single solitary question about the shenanigans and the involvement of, you know, his son and Ukraine and and China, et cetera. But more important than that is the extreme positions. You've got now a a radicalized left wing in this country as exemplified by these radical groups outside, as we listen to the madness of new green deals and Medicare for all and no private insurance and no oil and no gas and no combustion engine. And yeah, everything's free and eventually no planes or cows. And you just compare and the intensity that I'm talking about that is going to kick in here is real. We saw it last night. It was it was just in the air. You could feel it. You know, we had nearly five million people watching Hannity last night, watching this rally. Amazing. And I wouldn't be surprised if people want to see the same thing that I'm going to be looking for tonight, which is the intensity. And I'm just saying this country's divided. But I think at the end of the day, the intensity and the reaction to the mob that was outside last night, the mob in Washington, the witch hunt brigade, the radical policies. It is going to be the biggest choice election probably in our lifetime. And a lot of elections are choice elections. It will never be this dramatic. And I'm, I suspect at the end of it, when Trump wins re-election, and I think he will. But I don't count anything until the votes are counted. You never know who's, who's counting the votes. But I think what we're going to see here is, is all of this is backfiring. And it's pissing off the American people. That's not a good position to be in. Anyway, let's listen to some of the highlights from the president last night. Look back there. That's a lot of media. They are so dishonest. And frankly, they are so bad for our country. They are so bad. And they could be so good for our country. They could be so good. And maybe they'll change and maybe they won't. I've been waiting for a long time. You know, after I won the last election, I said, you know, finally, it's okay. Finally, I'll get some great press. They got worse. They got worse. I said, finally, we're going to get, I said to the first lady, darling, we're going to finally get respect. We're going to finally get media and press coverage. That's going to be great. Look at what we've done. And I'm telling you, they did. They got worse. And they know they cannot win. You understand. Well, if you didn't understand, honestly, there's no way anybody could win because you'd believe them. If you believe them, there's no way anybody could win because it's like 94 percent. I can do the greatest things in history and they'll make them bad to very bad. And if I do a neutral, something neutral, it worked out okay, not great, not bad. It's like, give them the electric chair. That was terrible. Right? No, this is the worst. 
and the Democrats, their partners. It's a partnership. How about on the newscast, like the word manufactured, it's manufactured, and every newscast, tonight in a manufactured deal along the border. The word's never been used before. All of a sudden, every newscast is using it. It's a talking point given to these fakers by the Democrats. They put Joe Biden in charge of Ukraine policy. Listen to this, and the press will not write it. They say, in totally unsubstantiated charges, every time they talk about him, President Trump has said that his son walked away with a fortune. Now, you know that's a totally unsubstantiated charge. Really? (laughs) It's not unsubstantiated, it's fact. Joe's son, Hunter, got thrown out of the Navy, and then he became a genius on Wall Street in about two days. Where the hell is he? Where's Hunter? Hey, fellas, I have an idea for a new T-shirt. I love the cops, but let's do another T-shirt. Where's Hunter? Where's he? Here's Hunter being examined by Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd or some of these people. Hunter, uh, it's so great that you're here, sir. Um, Hunter... I know they're giving you approximately $168,000 a month. I hear they paid you a big check of $3 million. I just want to speak on behalf of NBC, who's absolutely one of the worst. I just want to tell you, Hunter, Hunter, I just want to tell you, I couldn't be happier for you and your family. And I I know you don't know anything about energy, and I know it's an energy company, but I, I think they made a great deal, Hunter. And then they fly to China. And I'm dealing with people right now. They're tough as hell, those Chinese negotiators. And Hunter, who's not too smart, Hunter. He goes in, he has a meeting, he walks out. It is fund with 1.5 billion, with a B, 1.5 billion dollars. negotiators that I'm dealing with, I can tell you. These are not the same ones, but we are doing very well in that negotiation. Now think of it. Where's Hunter? Okay, get get it. So where is Hunter? I want to see Hunter ask these questions. Hunter, you know nothing about energy. You know nothing about China. You know nothing about anything, frankly. Hunter, you're a loser. Why did you get $1.5 billion, Hunter? never considered smart. He was never considered a good senator. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's ass. Thank you. Thank you. It's true. It's true. And they're always saying the same thing. Yeah, he got a billion five. We admit it. They admit it. There's nothing. But always that same thing. President Trump made a totally unsubstantiated claim about Hunter Biden and his father. It's not unsubstantiated, you crooked son of a guns. It's a hundred percent true. The smart guys on Wall Street, and I know all of them, and they are smart. They've never seen anything like that one before. I've called them. 
Does that ever happen? Never happens. Guy walks in, no experience, no nothing. Walks out with a billion five. Gee, flies in on Air Force Two with his father, the vice president. Don't forget, that's when he was vice president. So China gives his son 1.5 billion. How would you like to have Joe Biden take over negotiations right now with China? I don't think so. I don't think so. Meanwhile, Biden allowed China to rip off America for eight years as vice president and Barack Obama let him just rob us blind. And we're not doing that anymore. Those days are over. The Bidens got rich. And that is substantiated. While America got robbed. That's what happened. Sleepy Joe and his friends sold out America. They didn't have tough negotiations. I look at these trade deals and I say, who the hell could have done this? If you didn't, if you had no business instinct, no business ability, if you had nothing, if you're dumb as hell, you wouldn't make these deals. They're so bad. I say, who made these deals? Who made these deals? Congresswoman Omar is an America-hating socialist. She minimized the September 11th attack on our homeland. Where far more than 3,000 people died, saying some people did something. Big deal. Some people did something. She pleaded for compassion for ISIS recruits right here in Minnesota. Omar left that American speak of Al-Qaeda. You remember that tape? Speak of Al-Qaeda. But when we say... But when we say something about the United States, you just don't say America with any intensity. Remember that? Representative Omar has a history of launching virulent anti-Semitic screeds, whether you like it or not. She said the U.S. support for Israel is all about the Benjamins. She said that pro-Israel lawmakers have an allegiance to a foreign country. Omar wrote that Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them to see the evil doings of Israel and the United States. How do you have such a person representing you in Minnesota? I'm very angry at you people right now. She is a disgrace to our country, and she is one of the big reasons that I'm going to win and the Republican Party is going to win Minnesota in 13 months. Do you remember that just 19 minutes after I raised my hand and took the oath of office, the Washington Post, a terrible newspaper... that doesn't know how to write the truth, published a story, and in this case, they might have gotten it pretty correct. They said, the campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. That was the headline. Little did we know they weren't playing games. Think of that. That was 19 minutes after the oath of office. Months earlier, Peter struck. Remember, he and his lover, Lisa Page, 
What a group. She's going to win. 10 million to one. She's going to win. I'm telling you, Peter. I'm telling you, Peter, she's going to win. Peter, oh, I love you so much. Lisa, I love you. Lisa, Lisa. Oh God, I love you, Lisa. And if she doesn't win, Lisa, we've got an insurance policy, Lisa. We'll get that son of a bitch out. We got an insurance policy. And we're living through the insurance policy. That's what it is. The phony Russia hoax. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. I, the president, I think, starts at 8. He might bleed over into our hour. Uh, this whole issue of Joe Biden now. Oh, he knew the non-whistleblower whistleblower. We've got all of that coming. The madness of these kooky demonstrators that got violent last night in Minnesota. Uh, former AG Matt Whitaker, Congressman Scalise and Biggs, Geraldo, Tammy Bruce, Emily Campagno, and Austin Goolsby all coming up. Uh, tonight on Hannity 9 Eastern. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us. Back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.